Hello everybody, I'm Dr. Jed Baker. I'm here uh, at the Future Horizons uh, Super Conference here in Dallas and excited to get a chance to talk to Shannon about uh, some of my work uh, to help uh, some of our folks on the spectrum. It's a, it's a book really about dealing with uh, meltdowns in the moment, how to sort of deal with crises, but maybe more importantly, how to uh, prevent those uh, moments of frustration and sometimes anxiety and outburst um, by understanding very carefully what the triggers are to some of those challenging behaviors. Crisis management is really about the art of distraction in many ways, that when someone is what we call hijacked, their limbic system takes over the rest of their brain, their fight-flight-freeze uh, response kicks in, they're not logical. You can't talk to them anymore. Right? When logic is gone, we think about how do we get your mind off this problem in the moment just so we can calm down. And then when that forebrain, the logic brain, comes back, then we can figure out how to solve the problem. But in that moment, it may you know, not lead to anything fruitful to just continue in logical debate and you can't do this or threat of punishment or even promise of reward. If logic is gone, we have to get your mind off of it. So So I lay out in the No More Meltdowns book seven very common categories of triggers. And there might be 7,000, but these are the broad categories that I see over and over again. So one of them is demanding tasks. So that could be classwork, homework, tying your shoes. Um, it could be um, doing a new task that you've never done, a chore at home, or going to a new place that you're not sure what's going to happen, right? Um, and so when you have demanding tasks, we think about how do we simplify those tasks? How do we, um, if there's someone who's really fearful of doing something, a lot of schoolwork opposition is really about anxiety, fear of looking stupid, fear of making a mistake. And so we don't force someone to comply with work. When you're afraid of doing work, we gradually expose you to it. Say, don't do it, just watch. But don't do it, just watch. Now they watch. Well, now that you saw how to do it, do you want to do the first part, but don't do the others? And so a lot of those kids who would have been oppositional become much more cooperative if we don't force compliance, but we let them see the map of the territory ahead of time. We make it comprehensible by using visual support so they could see how to do it. We model it ahead of time. We use what we call the 80-20 rule. Give them 80% of what they can do easily before the 20% that's difficult. So if we give people successful experiences with work in the first couple of minutes, they're more willing to try something challenging because now they have confidence. Okay? And then we have to teach them skills. Not only to modify the work, we have to teach them that it's okay to ask for help. That's how you get smarter. It's okay to ask for a break and then come back. That all of that is preferable to running under your desk or running out of the school building. A colleague of mine, Mark Durand, had written a book called Optimistic Parenting, and he was looking at the research, research that he did, longitudinal studies, tracking kids uh, on the spectrum from the ages of three to six years old, and looking at what was the best predictor of how sort of out of control or aggressive their behavior, some of which was anxiety related, um, what was the best predictor of that kind of behavior in the home? He thought the best predictor would be um, if they were really aggressive at three, they'd be aggressive at six, not the best predictor. So then he thought, well, it might be the, more uh, the, the less language capability they have, the more frustrated they would be because they, you know. But that wasn't the best predictor. Best predictor was hope, parental optimism versus pessimism because when parents had hope, when teachers have hope, they continue to do the things that eventually will get them in the direction they want to go. 
not only not always making a 180 degree cure but progress that is the best predictor when we give up hope when we feel overwhelmed when we all can suffer from learned helplessness giving up feeling like it's too much then we don't progress anymore so the first key step is for all of us to know that things in fact can and do get better not always a hundred percent better but we chip away at things over time and sometimes it takes six months to even a year to overcome a certain kind of anxiety. <music>